Say, man, who's that cat coming down the street? I don't know, but it sounds to me like that's just the man with the bone. Sure having himself a ball. Welcome to the Be Legendary Podcast. Hey, I'd like to welcome our very special guest, uh, Coach Scott Lovely, who is the head basketball coach at Desert Edge High School, here to talk about uh, how to build a program from scratch, which uh, he was in a position five years ago to do that at uh, Desert Edge. Really excited about this because this is uh, really a key for coaches that are just get their first head job, even at the college level. Coach Lovely's got a lot of college experience, something that all of us can take from this uh, podcast to benefit ourselves. And that's why coach Lovely is doing this. Uh, just all the members of team legend, you know, we have a great uh, lineup coach, David Grace, great division one basketball uh, coach already in the bucket. Tim Owens, great player from USF who I recruited phenomenal career at USF, how he did it. Kevin Wilson, who was flip Saunders mentor coached uh, Detroit Pistons, Numerous NBA players, what he had to say about coaching, key points for anybody in the coaching profession. We have Alan Trammell on board, who's a baseball Hall of Famer for the Detroit Tigers. Eric Spolcher, the head coach of the Miami Heat. Eric Mobley, assistant basketball coach at USC, who brought up two of the top prospects in the country back-to-back, is going to join us very soon within the next week to talk about coaching your sons or daughters how he went through it, the ups and downs. This is a phenomenal resource for potential coaches and players. And Coach Lovey is on board now, going to tell us uh, how to build a program. Coach, uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you uh, being here. You know, first thing, why don't you tell us about your coaching background? Well, you know, Truce, thanks first off for uh, having me on the show. Um, I'm looking Absolutely. forward to the legendary podcast. I mean, you got great lineups and, uh, this is going to be really cool. Um, so, again, thank you. Um, as far as my coaching background goes, I've been coaching for a long time. I think I started in uh, 84, 85, or 85, 86, somewhere around there. So it's been a long time. And uh, uh, I started after my playing career ended because it ends for all of us at some point. And uh, I didn't want to give up the game. I love the game that much. So what I decided to do was find a way to stay connected with it. And uh, my old high school coach, Ken Bell, at Buena Park High School, gave me an opportunity to coach with him. Uh, he's a Hall of Fame coach in California. Uh, so I got to got to be a part of his staff for a number of years. And then I moved over to John Mayberry at John Kennedy High School in La Palma, California, who's also a Hall of Fame coach in California. And uh, got exposed to a lot of coaches uh, early on in my career uh, because of my relationship with both of those guys. Uh, so I had an opportunity to work for a lot of coaches because of John Mayberry's uh, connections and resources as the uh, president of the Coaches Association. So I was exposed to guys like John Wooden, Jim Herrick, uh, Pat Riley, uh, Jerry Tarkanian, and I just was a sponge. I just soaked in as much knowledge about the game that I could get uh, from every situation. Um, and so I was just learning. I started out coaching uh, JV and freshman basketball and assistant varsity coach. And uh, like I said, man, I was just I just soaked it all all the knowledge I could find. Uh, coaches would give me books to read. I'd read the books. 
and uh, you know, studied tapes. I mean, I talked to everybody. So it was just one of those situations where I just kept trying to find the next thing. What's next? What's next? And I was eating up everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So um, I got my first head job at, uh, at a school in Seattle, uh, Taiyi High School. And uh, it was a very, very, um, it was funny because I happened to be a runner up to a prominent job and didn't get it. And so then uh, I got a call about this job, Taiyi, and I took it. And people were like, don't take the job. It's a dead end job. You know, it's they were 0 and 26. It's not a good situation, you know. And and hey, man, you're you're a young coach. You want that title of head coach. You know, you, you do whatever you can to get it right. Absolutely. So I took the job. You know, I took a team that was 0 and 26 the year before. And, uh, you know, I wish I could say I turned it around and made it a great job, but I didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what I did do was there was racial tension on campus. There was discipline problems in the program, uh, suspensions. And the athletic director sat down with me and says, we're looking for somebody to lead these young men, to teach these young men how to behave, not just basketball, but in life. And that's kind of how I was raised as a coach. You know, you coach the kids in front of you. You love those kids. You teach those kids the game and you try and teach them how to be a good person. And then it starts to move. Right. Well, so that's all I knew. So I said, yeah, I can do that. So I took the program and uh, actually we were competitive, you know, which nobody expected. Uh, we didn't win a lot of games, but we lost a lot of games within 10 points. And, you know, in the game of basketball, 10 points is not a lot, you know. Absolutely. And they were getting blown out the year before. So it was just about step by step by step. And it was good for me because as a young coach, I was learning how to take the lumps and how to keep moving, you know, because you have to learn how to fail in order to learn how to succeed because you have mm -hmm. to accept some failure because in failure is success. And so it was like all about learning how to tweak things, learning how to alter things for not just the game, but for your perspective of the game. So, mm -hmm. And and ju just my observation, and obviously I, I don't know I wasn't there, but you left that program in a lot better shape than it was when you got there. Yeah, and that's been my mantra. My mantra for, for I don't know, as long as I can remember, is always leave it better than you found it. Any, anywhere you go, you leave it better than you found it. Any actual, any interaction you have with a player or a parent, a uh, 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 program, a referee, you try to leave it better than you found it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And being a young coach, you know, I think most seasoned coaches absolutely would not take a job like that. <laughs> you know, I, I think those are the best jobs to take. And we both know I took a job that was just as bad. Uh, and, and because coaches are hired to get fired. Without question, they're hired to get fired. Well, you know what? When when you take a job, like you said, they're 0-26 or 0-25, the only way up, uh, the only way to go is up. And, right. and, again, you taught the kids more, not just about basketball, probably more about life than anything. And that's that's why it's so important. You have so much to offer with what you're going to tell us today. For that reason, coaches need to realize that. Anyway, I'm talking too much. Back to you.
Well, you so, know, and you hit on a great point, though, Truz, because it's about relationships. This The industry is about relationships. The job is about relationships. Everything is about relationships. And for me, taking over a program that's 0-26, you know, it was like I just loved on the kids. You know, it's like you can do this. You can do this. Now, they may not have been the best or most talented group of kids in the region, but they worked hard and we competed and, you know, they grew. And one of my kids from that team, Lamont Terry, I mean, he, he's a college professor, you know, the guy's a genius. He's, he's now, you know, graduated from UCLA. He was our football uh, quarterback. He was our basketball star and, and we're friends on Facebook and I get to see his life and how he's turned out. And the same thing with the kids I coached in California. I mean, I have, uh, you know, lifelong relationships with all of my players and that's because not success but because the bond forged in that battle whether it was successful or was it whether it wasn't successful because there's a relationship it was successful you know and absolutely and that's the thing you know uh i got to point out because what you just talked about uh the biggest shocker to me uh i had kevin wilson on uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I asked him what made Flip Saunders such a great basketball coach. The, the two things he said had nothing to do with basketball. He said big heart and empathy. And that's exactly what you're talking about now. Yeah. And I'll guarantee, yeah. I'll guarantee all the players that you coached back then, you stay in contact, you said. Yep. I bet they've all thanked you for what you taught them back then, going 0-26 the year before. And you don't need to respond to that, but, uh, but I'll guarantee you they have. So – it's been great. It's been great because I mean, this this whole social media thing, you know, allows for you to take a peek into people's lives and see how things are going and to be connected to people that, you know, I was a young coach. I was 21, 22, 23 years old coaching. And my guys now have kids that are in high school and they're all, I wish my kid could play for you. You know, what you taught me was everything. And those things right there, that's like payday for me. You know, it's like coaches talk about wins and loss records, you know, and, and in my overall career, I've got a plus record. Like I'm, I I think when I took the Highland job, uh, I was at 60 something percent, 63, 64, something like that percent wins. And, you know, suffered that that one in 25 dismal season at Highland. But coming out of that, I learned to just keep going. And every stop along the way, you learn something. And when you can connect to these guys and you see the end result and you see that they're men of character, you see that when they're facing challenges, you know, they 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 use some of the phrases that you taught them when they were young and you're like, yeah, that kid still remembers that, you know, it makes you feel good about your choice of career and what you've done. And that's really been a big payday. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I've known coach lovely for a very long time and knew nothing about uh, the first two jobs that he took, but, but I can see today, the that you still emphasize what you emphasize that with that team your first your first head job they were own 26 25 the year before i still see that in you today as you continue to move on through your career which uh, as you know and i know is is more important than knowing how many offensive sets you, you got or defensive sets so uh with that being said uh i'm anxious to hear uh more in your career 
Well, you know, the one thing that, that, that I've learned throughout coaching is that you have to take, you have to, you have to learn something in every situation you're in. Right. So, so I started to learn how to communicate with kids and learn how to shape kids and learn how to do that. And then I ended up with a really good job situation, uh, here in Phoenix, uh, I went to, I took over Arcadia high school. And again, it was a program that was actually one in 25 the year before I took the job. And we ended up going on a, on a, um, 18 and 10 season and made it to, uh, the elite eight in Arizona. And that was like the, wow, that was the biggest transition, those kids. And it was funny because it was all the same kids that were a part of my team were a part of the team before. Uh huh. Um, so to have those kids, it was all about getting them to believe in themselves. You know, it's funny because I wrote a book about my experience as a head coach or trying to become a head coach. And in my book, I talk about selling the sizzle, right? Like when you take over a program, that's not very good. When the program is just dismal, you have to figure out, okay, how am I going to build a business? The first thing you have to do is you have to understand the reality of where you are, like. You have to know, okay, this is what it is. How can I make this better? And once you accept where you are, you say, okay, what's needed now? And so for me, I always look at what's the talent level. Then I look at, is there anything else on campus that we can develop into uh, an addition of the program that can help us build from there, right? And so mm-hmm. in doing that, I start doing what you call sell the sizzle. Like you, you kind of talk about your vision and you share your vision and you do it with enthusiasm and you and you try to get the kids to understand that you guys are going to be better. And so once that starts to catch hold, that little fire starts to burn just a little bit. And then the more you can put them in a success, the more you can put them in a position to have some success, the bigger that fire gets. Right. More and more kids want to be a part of that. And so that's really what took place at, at Arcadia. Um, I took those kids that were there that summer. We traveled. We, t- we, you know, we went to NAU. We went to U of A. And, you know, we got beat, but we were competing. And it was like, don't worry about the score. Worry about the next play. Did you execute? And it was like all about building the foundation for them. And I do things a little bit differently than a lot of guys do nowadays, I guess, because now the the sexy thing is to find the basketball players, no matter where they are, and recruit them to come to your school. I I don't do that. I stay with the kids that are in my school, and I focus on building because that's what I was taught. So it's a little different thought process. Um, and so for me, it's all about selling that sizzle, right? And then once you get that kids believing in what to do, then you can start fine tuning things. And those kids at Arcadia, I mean, we, to cover your weaknesses, you have to figure out what you can use as strengths, right? Well, we didn't have big kids. We didn't have super strong kids. We didn't have awesome shooters. So what's the best way to play basketball when you don't have those things? You got to run and gun, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know anybody that. can play defense and anybody can make layups. So it was like, all right, here we go. This is what we're going to do. Every time the ball hits the floor, we're going to trap it. I don't care where it is. We're going to make teams run, right? And so we were in better shape than everybody else. You know I mean? 
one of the things every one of my players that's ever played for me will tell you is, is that hell week is no joke because it's not a week. <laughs> they teach. They go, dude, this ain't hell week. This is like hell month. <laughs> and it's funny because it was like, all right, we're just going to run and gun. And we're going to get layups and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And it worked. And that added to excitement, which brought people in the stands, which made the kids feel a sense of pride. And, you know, you buy new uniforms because kids need to look good, right? I mean, like people, they underestimate that feeling of looking good, right? Mm-hmm. we'll go out and buy a brand new shirt or a pair of slacks to look good for a job interview. Well, the same thing happens on the basketball court. When you put a kid in a nice new looking uniform, that's not attached to that old thought process of losing. It changes, you know? Oh yeah. We're, mm-hmm. we're in the new Arcadia, you know? And and then you get shoe companies that give you shoes and things like that. And it's like, all of a sudden now the kids are like, everybody looks the same kind of, and you know, there's like this sense of pride, you know, it's like they, they start fighting for each other. And that's the whole thing you have to develop as a coach with teams that you're trying to build. Mm-hmm. So at Arcadia, uh, so you guys ended up 18 and 10 now. So, so everybody knows it's not all hunky dory. There obviously were things that were very discouraging for you through that process, what, what were a couple of those things that, that hit you that you had to overcome to that? Well, it's funny because about, well, about that time, uh, things started to shift. Um, people, the, 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 the thought process of basketball and the, and the parents and things had started to change a little bit. It was no longer a game that kids were playing for fun. It now became, you know, my kid needs to get a scholarship. My kid needs to go to college. My kid's good enough to play ball at this at, at a college level, you know. And it's funny because you're like, wait a minute, you guys were like one in 26 last year. So where's all this coming from? You know, but you start having to manage distractions and things outside the program. Like when I took the program, they were all the same kids in the neighborhood, right? And then we go 18 and 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 I think it was 18 and 10, 18, 14, something like that. And then uh, then we had other kids that came in that grew into the program that, that, that were in the neighborhood that wanted to play. And, and things started to happen, and it started to change a little bit. And in that, you had to manage the outside distractions to maintain the interior, interior, internal uh, integrity of what you were doing, right? So that becomes a little bit more difficult because now you're having to meet with administrators who will have parents that are bypassing the chain of command and expecting a meeting because they're not happy with playing time. And it's like those things happen and you start looking at things and you start saying, why are you guys pulling away from what we're doing? Right. Well, in building a program, you have to find a purpose for parents outside of the program to help lift the program, right? So if you have parents that are doing things necessary to build a program and you give them a job to do, that makes them feel more a part of it so you have less of that. And so that's something mm-hmm. I learned there and started to try and incorporate in other jobs after that. Um, so the- very, very important, very important uh fact right there that you just brought up something that that i have never i never thought of that I, and i'm sure most coaches out there that are in a situation 
where the parents are hounding them for playing time. That's probably the last thing on their mind. Again, a key point that you just brought up that, that these coaches have to hear because obviously that is so important. And you just told me that first time I heard it and right away. Absolutely. That's, that's a genius idea, but that's, that goes against the grain of human nature to do that. When you got parents screaming at you, you know, to turn around and ask them to help you out with the program. You know what yeah. I mean? You know yeah. what I'm talking yeah. about? Very important fact there. Okay. Yeah. People have to Go have on. a sense of purpose. You know, once you give somebody yeah. a sense of purpose and they're busy, they're figuring, okay, well, I'm helping the program now. So now I'm a part of it. And everybody wants to be a part of that. Right. And, and when that ride starts, people, feel important because they're a part of that process. And so that, that became an important part of, uh, of my coaching uh, notebook per se. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I want to bring up, you mentioned that you wrote a book. Uh, we're going to get into that later, but the name, the name of coach Lovey's book is called the first chair, which in my mind is the perfect title for a coaching, a basketball coaching book. I don't know how you thought of that, that name, but I thought that was a brilliant name when I first saw that. I couldn't believe it. I was so upset at you because I wish I would have thought of that before <laughs> you did. Yeah, I mean, what a great, what a great name. So anyway, we're going to get into that book, and when we get done, we're going to let everybody know where they can get a copy of that because it's a must read uh, for everybody. Uh, the reviews, some of the coaches that have left reviews uh, are very well respected, and and you guys need to pick that up. So anyway, so uh, you're at Arcadia, you go 18 and 14 or 18 and 10. Yeah, so. I, I was uh, at Arcadia so for three years and uh, uh, had a family situation occur that um, my daughters were actually going into high school at um, a school in Gilbert Highland High School. And uh, it was it was going to be a better situation for me to be at the same high school as them because of mm -hmm. uh, a divorce and and being able to spend time with my daughters. And so. I, uh, I, you know, I kind of made that move and so made the move mm -hmm. to, um, to Highland High School. And that school had been a very successful school, but it was a, a, a school that, a, a program that was um, suffering from when I, when, when the previous coach left, his son went to Indiana and all the other players scattered. And so then I took this job and I, I knew it was going to take some time to build it because there was nothing underneath the, the, the program, Co right? Co Coach Lovey, I got to interrupt you. Coach Lovey is being very kind here. That was a ticking <laughs> time bomb when he, when he took that job. And, and that, that's like why nobody wants a UCLA job, yeah. you know, because you get, I mean, it's the same kind of situation, but at, at the high school level. Highland High School was considered the best basketball school in the state of Arizona. And like you said, the head coach's son went to Indiana. He left. And so, you know, I commend you for taking that job uh, because most people wouldn't. But again, with your, uh, your beliefs and background and experience, you took it head on and, and faced a challenge. So, so talk about your, what happened. At well, I, you know, so I went into this school and, uh, the cover was bare, basically. I mean, he the, the previous coach hadn't really developed anything. He recruited a whole bunch of players to come in and, and to play for him. And when he left, they left. And so there was no loyalty to the program itself. So 
when I took it over, I knew we were going to have to build. And I sat down with one of my former players. He was an assistant coach. Um, I, I took one of my assistant coaches from Arcadia over there with me. And um, we started to grind. And I knew it was going to be it was going to be a two year process. And like I like every job before I took the job, I analyzed the situation and said, here's what is got it. Now, what do what do the talent prospects look like at the at the middle school levels? Because that's where you start to build your program. You build your program further out than just inside your program. You have to have a presence in the community. And so in looking at the middle schools, we knew we had talent there and we had connected with those kids and those kids were going to come to play for us. So we were really excited about where we were going. So once you had that established and you knew what was coming in, now it's about rebuilding what's already there. And so we really got in and started to grind and and, and do things and, and try and get kids to buy in. And the biggest challenge I had there was getting the the we to be bigger than the me, the we to be greater than me, right? And that's a tough mm-hmm. thing to challenge, to change, because when you have kids feeling like they're just as good as the kids that left, and, I mean, that was probably one of the toughest regions in the state. I, I jokingly called it the Juco League um, because – they were very talented. I mean, uh, I think it was Mesquite High School was ranked number five or six in the nation at one point during that year. And, I mean, they had ballers, right? And so we're playing them and we're playing um, uh, Basha High School that had big-time players playing for them, you know. And, and so every night was a game that was a junior college-level basketball game. And, again – we were competing, but we weren't winning, and parents weren't having that. And so that year we went 1-25, and 25, and it, it was the longest year of my career. And it wasn't because of the losses. You know, I mean, I can look at a loss and find little wins throughout the game. It was because of the way the losses were being taken. Mm-hmm. So that was tough. I, I get it, and – Again, you're suffering the consequences of the previous program. And just to mention, again, uh, the previous program, the coach that was there took the job for his son to be able to coach his son and get him ready to go out to, to Indiana or wherever he's going to go. Not to rip that, but, but that is what now you're suffering. Uh, so absolutely, I'm sure the people that are listening to this can feel uh, the pain of what you went through. So you guys, you guys won one game that that first year. So so continue well, from yeah. There. So end of the season, uh, you know, we have our banquet. There's issues going on. There's parents backbiting and talking behind the scenes and going to administration and you know and and you know you're sitting there and you're going, wow, I can't believe this is happening. We didn't have a chance to do anything yet, and people are already wanting this over, and. Uh, like I said, we were really excited about the group coming in. Uh, we had uh, Sam Jones coming in. Uh, he was an eighth grader that went to the school right next to the high school. We had um, we had one, uh, Jake Toulson coming in, and he was an eighth grader in the high school, in the middle school that fed right into us. I mean, so we had what what basically you consider top four or five players in their class all coming in, and we were really pumped about that. And I got a call from the athletic director. He wanted to meet with the principal. And so I'm like, oh, gosh, what is this? 
So I go walking in and, uh, you know, I'm told, hey, you know, we're going to go in a different direction. And I'm like, why? And it's like, well, the parents aren't happy. And it's like, well, they don't run the program. You do. So what's the problem? You know, uh, I told you it was going to take time to fix. We got to correct this. You know, there's 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 a lot of things that are going on good in the program. And and uh, it was one of those things where it's like, no, we're going to just go in a different direction. And it was the first time in my career I'd ever been just fired. Right. And I'm like devastated. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm thinking, wow, what's going on here? This is crazy. And uh, I called one of my best friends and I said, hey, you know, what do I do with this? Because this is what's going on and this is how it ended up. And this is what's being said about me. And and uh, uh, my friend said, hey, you know, sue the parent. And I'm like, what? <laughs> sue the parent. <laughs> and I'm going, <laughs> Well, how, wow. why? He goes, defamation, uh, loss of wages, you know, da, 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 and, and started going down this road. And, and, and I started thinking, you know, maybe this is the right thing to do because at that time, coaches were being fired left and right, and it was wrong. It was not just an Arizona trend. It was a national trend. And you hear about these stories all the time, coaches winning and getting fired because parents, you know, and it was like, wait, what's going on? This is wrong. And so he said, Sue. And so it was one of those things I contemplated and I ended up reaching out to a buddy of mine, actually, um, he was a coach at the college level. And I said, Hey, this is what's going on. This is what I'm being told. This is what I'm thinking. He's like, Scott, so the first time you've ever been fired from a job, your reputation precedes you. Don't worry about that nonsense. Every coach gets fired. And he goes, the moment you take the job, there's a stopwatch, and it's just a matter of time before you get canned. Mm-hmm. So you don't worry Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. And I was like, yeah, but what about and what about? And he's like, you know, yeah, you're right. You're 100% right. They're talking. What they're saying is bad. What they're saying is wrong. And now you have to make a decision. You have to decide if you just want to coach the game or if you want to be right. And at this point, you can be right, Sue, but nobody's ever going to hire you as a coach if you sue a parent and do all these other things at the high school level. People will just look at that and and walk away and say, thank you, but no thanks. And so it was one of those moments that you had to sit back and decide what's right. What do you do? And for me, um, I just wanted to coach. So So I let it go. And because of that, the universe ends up rewarding you. you know, I mean, I got a call from uh, this raspy voiced guy saying, hey, got a job I'm interested in talking to you about. Can you meet me up at ARC? So I get this call. I don't even know this guy. And, and this guy's offering me an opportunity to coach some elite level athletes. And then that's kind of, you know, where we go to next. Absolutely. And you know what, Scott, uh, we really haven't really talked about much, but I knew about you uh, very briefly because uh, Coach Lovely actually taught my son at Arcadia High School when he was at Arcadia. So that was kind of our very small connection. But, but you know, I observed you uh, in Arizona and, and probably more than anything, your demeanor the way you handled yourself, uh, you know, without question, you never changed. Um, you weren't a yeller and a screamer. And I could see that you, just like we talked about, big heart and empathy. 
I saw that loud and clear coming from you. So, so go through what, what uh, your experience was without, you know, you don't need to talk about me. This is all about you. Right. Well, I, you know, I got, I got the job with you at Westwind and uh, was given the post-grad, the post-grad, one of the post-grad teams. And uh, you know, it was funny because here I am this, and, and this is at the point in my career where I'd had so much success and then I experienced Highland and I was questioning myself as a coach. I'm questioning, like, do I really know what I'm doing here? You know, and I think all of us get to that point at some level, but I had never been down on myself like I was after that Highland situation because I felt like I failed, you know, and and that was heavy on me because failure for me is not an option. Right. So I get the job working with Westwind and I get this elite level group of guys and I remember first couple practices, I'm like, hey, guys, I'm going to put in a system that will give you an opportunity to showcase your skills and sets and, and different things and, and, and give you an opportunity to raise your basketball IQ, which will help you uh, get the goal that you have of getting to the next level. And uh, so I started working with these guys and started drawing things up and showing them different things and seeing it happen on the court. It was like, oh, OK, so the stuff does work. So everything I've been running <laughs> – it works. Okay, good. <laughs> I, mean, I remember drawing That's up a funny. play and saying, okay, we got a back door over here. You can throw it up, catch it, and come down and go back up with it. And then, and then he caught it and went up, and it was a dunk. I was like, oh, yes, he's not supposed to look. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, so, so it was one of those things where I started to feel good about myself again, good about the game again, and it was great because it was – it was like coaching at an orphanage, you know, it was just me and the kids. I didn't have to deal with all the external noise of parents and stuff. Um, but the great thing about those kids were they talked about what they wanted. And so I remember one kid, Taylor Statham, played for us um, there. He he came to me and he goes, hey, coach, you know, I, I get it. The triangle, I got it. Um, you know, it's great and everything, but I'm trying to get a college scholarship. So like, I'm trying to showcase my talents and that's not going to work if I'm just running this triangle thing. And I remember putting my arm around him and I said, Hey, I said, what you got to do is you got to learn how to be a part of a system because college coaches run systems and they want players that can showcase and show up in a system. And if you can do that and raise your basketball IQ level to understand where and how to take advantage of certain things that give you the opportunity to showcase but still work within their system, you're going to be a high-level recruit. And he said, I don't know about this. But at the end of our experience together, he's like, I totally get it now. I totally get it. And it was like that was one of the biggest things for me with that group because – a lot of those guys bought into the system and sold out and just did what we did. And we beat JUCO teams, you know, I mean, we beat junior college teams and had great, had a great season, you know? Yeah. I mean, it sure was- did. And, and the thing about that. Uh, so people know uh, I had a, a prep team and we got so many more prep school kids that I had anticipated so we had to put together another team, and and that's when I called Coach Lovely. And what turned out at the beginning, everybody on the prep team that was there at the beginning thought they were the top number one team, 
and Coach Lovely's team was the second team. Well, in reality, it turned out that we were equal. Uh, if not, you guys were a little better in a system uh, than the top team was. So, and that all that credit goes to you. It doesn't go to uh, the players. It goes to you because they the players bought into what you were sell- selling, which is so difficult. And you know, I, I want to try if you can if you can uh, put this uh, say this. What you think was the key that you did to get all those what fifteen players from all over the country, even the the world? Yeah. We had kids. Yeah, kids we had from kids China, Serbia, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in your mind, it's all about value. I mean, the thing, the thing is, is that every kid and and my my belief is this, is that when you put together a system, it's like cogs in a wheel, right? It's like everything fits. Right. And so as in order to get a, uh, in order to get it to run smoothly, you have to make sure that every cog fits right. And every cog is a valuable piece. And so, it's always building that relationship. It goes back to what I said the first segment when we talked about relationships. It's all about building the relationship and getting every kid to understand that what they are bringing is valuable. And each one of those kids had a role and they understood the role and they understood that they were valuable and a, comp- and a component that added to what we were doing and it was helpful i mean i'll never forget we went to vegas and we played img academy and we played their big img team and i remember at halftime we were up by like 15 points our guys were all clicking and i was subbing five and six guys at a time we were running and gunning and running our offense and getting backdoor layups and 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 um it was a great game well, I remember the IMG Academy coach, the big guy who was in charge of the post-grad program, coming out of the bleachers and taking over in the second half. <laughs> and, and, and then we still ended wow. up winning by like 22, 23 points. And he came over and he goes, man, what you're doing is awesome. Good job. you know." And I was like, that was like huge for me because that was really my first exposure to prep and post-grad basketball. But it was all about getting each kid to buy into their value of the program. Mm -hmm. And I bet uh, everybody's seen the movie, pretty woman. I bet you want to go back to high. (laughs) Big mistake. You know what? No. (laughs) (laughs) The reason I don't is because it's like, you know what, if it wasn't for the Highland experience, uh, I would have never wrote a book. Um, You know, I would have never, uh, had a radio show, I would have never, I mean, there was a lot of things that took place because of that experience that moved me along in my career. And, and, and I gained something from it. Like I said, in every situation you're in, you have to be able to take something away from it. And it could be what you never want to do again, or it could be a big lesson that teaches you how to do something better. You know I mean? Every situation you have to take a nugget away from it. So that was a necessary situation, mm-hmm. I think. And the group that you had, and, you know, none of us can answer this really, this question, but if those players that you had had the mentality that they had with you back in high school, they probably never would have ended up at West Wind Prep playing on a prep team because right. they would have. Yeah, you know I, I, mean? I agree. And, I agree. Uh, 
and it's too bad that the players now can't see that and learn from that. And hopefully, you know, if we can help one player do that, then, then we're doing our job. But, but so, so vital for the players to understand that. Uh, so, so yeah, Westwind, great, great year at Westwind. So, so. Well, then I, for, now, after Westwind, I went to the college level and uh, worked with Dan, um, uh, worked with Dan over at um, South Mountain Community College. Um, and Dan, I tell you what, Dan's a great coach. He does a great job. And, and even in that situation, as an assistant coach working at the college level, um, and I'm sorry, Dan Nichols, working at the college level with Dan Nichols, I learned more player management stuff, um, uh, how to deal with, you know, uh, an ego how to deal with a difficult player, how to deal, you know, it's like there were, there, there's always something you can pick up. Right. And so with Dan, Dan's probably one of the most patient guys I've ever been around, you know, and Dan's real laid back. Right. You know, Nichols is a laid back dude. You know, I remember we, we kind of joke and make fun of him a little bit because it's like, well, Dan, what about, by well, you know, I gotta let him, you know, and and, and, it, and it's so true because with him it was like it was like always letting the kid come back around in his own time, and embracing that and encouraging a kid to grow and and so it's one of those things I took from him, which was probably the most valuable piece to complete my coaching, you know, notebook, right, you know. So I was there with him for a couple uh-huh. of years and then got a call from a buddy of mine um, that uh, wanted me to take over a program at the high school level again. And I was like, ah, I think I'm pretty much done with high school. Um, and uh, we sat down and had something to drink and we're talking at length. And, and so I ended up saying, all right, I'll take a look at it. I took a look at it and it was a good situation to take over. And so I did. And that's how I ended up at Desert Edge. Perfect. Now I want to ask you a question. So uh, you're coaching uh, for one year uh, at two, the college level, two, correct? Yeah, two seasons. Yep. Two years. What What was the biggest difference uh, there coaching at JUCO? Kids came in ready to go, man. Kids Kids came in. It was like for them, they didn't want to play around. Uh, they were trying to get to the next level, and they had missed that opportunity mm-hmm. before. So they were a little bit more serious about their workouts, about – you know, uh, understanding what you were communicating and actually doing it. So it was a lot like the post-grad situation I had experienced with you. Um, it was more serious. And, and that was, that was, that was great. Mm-hmm. Do you think, do you think expectations of these players when they're in high school? You know, this is kind of a uh, touchy question, I guess, but do you think that's coming from their parents? You know, I have my opinion, but do you think that that's – and then once the parents realize that, okay, my kid's not getting a call from uh, USC or Arizona State or Arizona, that that now they kind of change their attitude? Um, you know what's interesting? Because I think, I think some of that is true. I think that, um, you know, parents seem to be driving the boat now. Whereas before, when I was a kid, when I was a player, I was the one doing it. And my mom and dad were busy working and making kids. Food was on the table, you know, and so I'm the one going to the park and playing and working yeah. out, and I was the one doing all this. But then now it's like parents are always there. Parents are 
always pushing, always pushing the person who's or moving from one trainer to the next or one club team to the next club team. I mean, and it's kind of, I think it's detrimental to the kids' growth. And I think that to a certain extent at the JUCO level, parents are, are removed from that, right? And so now it's back to, now it's uh-huh. on you, kid. So I think that there's more of that, that, that I think you're right. I think you've hit that. Yeah. Okay. So you get the job at Desert Edge. Tell us what's the first thing you did. Now you're, you're in charge of this new program, not new program, but just new for you program. What's the first well, thing? Well, first thing I did when I got the job at Desert Edge was meet the players. Right. And, Again, you go through that process. It was like getting on a bike, right? They were two. They were two or four. I think they won four or five games, something like that. Um, and so you got to become familiar with what's there and understand the reality of where you are, right? What do you do next? You go down to the middle school level and you look at what's the, what's in your area, right? Like again, me instead of trying to find a kid from all over the place, I'm trying to figure out what's in my area because what we have found out was, seeing Desert Edge was successful before, right? They won a state championship. Uh, they were good. They were really good. Joe Babinski did a phenomenal job building a program there, right? And then it, after he left, it kind of had mm-hmm. trickled off. So it was like, why? What's going on? So we identified players in our feeder system out there and said, okay, these kids have been leaving. They've been going to other schools. It's like, why? So we got to figure out a way to make sure that we have a presence in the area that shifts the thought process and lets people know, hey, we got a serious coach in here who cares about kids and is going to build a program, right? And so one of the things I did was I hired a young guy who wanted to be a coach. I said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to help out with the freshman team. I'm going to gear you up. I'm going to put you in Desert Edge gear, give you shoes, give you sweats, give you everything. And you got to get the schedule for every middle school game in our area. And you need to just be there watching games. And at the end of the game, every kid that does well, you need to walk up, high five, fist bump, say good job, nicely done. We're looking forward to seeing you next year at Desert Edge or whatever, right? Just our presence. That's all we want is a mm-hmm. presence in that community, right? So we did that. And then when it came time for our summer camp um, for the eighth graders coming in, we had a huge turnout. All of those players that had been leaving before, all those kids stayed. And so – that would be this year's senior class, their seventh grade year is when we were really focused on talking to them and high-fiving them and acknowledging them, right? And then you come back to the building, right? And you go, okay, now here's what we have. Here's what we have to develop, and we have to see how we can make it, how we can make it competitive until we get those kids here, right? Mm-hmm. So we built so we built a system in place that would allow the kids that were there to succeed somewhat, you know, and we went through the lumps. You got to get through the lumps. Um, and okay, I got a I got a question, coach. So what what you're what you're telling everybody is you 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 took a job at Desert Edge. Sounds like very similar to when you took the job at Highland because they were successful, you know, uh parents all that stuff so now you take desert edge uh maybe not as prominent or publicly as highland 
but but really kind of the same thing in my mind. Uh, what did you do? You know, did you have to get the administration on board? Did you work on that, or what did you do from your experience at Highland and what you learned there to to so you didn't have? The well, same you know, the interesting thing is I didn't change anything because what I've done in the past works, right? So, like that's the one thing I learned from my experience from Arcadia to from Tai to Arcadia to Highland to to Westwind to to South mountain and then to desert edge. It was like what I was doing worked. Right. So, so if what I was doing worked, what was the variables? You have to look at the variables. The variables were the, the support system at Highland. There was no support system. And luckily at desert edge, the athletic director that hired me was a basketball guy and a basketball coach and every athletic director, I've had three at Desert Edge, and every athletic director has been, well, two of them were basketball guys that understood the game and understood coaching. And the other one is a football guy who understands coaching, and it's easy for them to support a program when they understand what the program is doing, right? So the administration has been very supportive at Desert Edge, and that's why we are where we are right now. Because we were allowed to grow. Mm-hmm. I said because we were allowed to grow. You know, we, we ahead, didn't get that allowance to grow at Highland. Uh-huh. It was like they wanted to have instant pudding where, you know, you can't do that. <laughs> right. Right. And and uh, that kind of along the same lines of my next question. You know, coaches always talk about culture, the program culture. You hear that all the time and how important it is. But but so many really don't understand where that starts. Uh, and, and you know, you started hiring the young coach, sending them out in Desert Edge gear, going to all the middle school. That started, in my mind, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that started your program culture. But how did you cultivate that? As, well, it's all about hard work. I mean, bottom line is year. you can be more talented than me. You can be smarter than I am, but you're not going to outwork me. And so it's all about hard work. And so I teach my kids it's about hard work. It's about grind. It's about the grind. It's about the grind, right? And so if it's about the grind, you got to grind in practice. You got to grind in the weight room. You got to grind in the classroom. And so our our program set a goal. I set a goal for our program to have a uh, our program GPA goal is 3.0, right? Now, this is your six at Desert Edge, um, and we've hit 2.98. And we've been, we've gone from two, six, seven to a two, nine, eight. Right. And so it's all about buying into the culture, buying into the thought process, grind in the classroom, grind in the classroom. And because we take every kid's GPA, add them together and divide to get our average GPA, you know, you get a freshman that struggles and it's tough because coming from middle school to high school, that transition is different. So it, it drops it a little bit, or you get a sophomore who's having a difficulty now in an AP class, you know, and that's okay. It's the push. It's the push to be better. Right. And so that translates from the classroom, which you, every kid's doing and you do the same thing on the court and you do the same thing in the, in the gym, everybody's on time. If you're not on time, we all suffer. You know, everybody's going to do this. Everybody focuses on this. Here's what we're running. So I put in place um, a team of coaches that mimic that same thing. 
It's all about hard work. I've got a great freshman coach in place. He's done a phenomenal job. Um, the uh, kid that I hired to be a uh, uh, assistant freshman coach ended up being a freshman coach. And and our lower level programs over the last six years have been more successful, I think, than Desert Edge's program has ever been, has ever seen. And those kids are mm-hmm. filtering into the program now with an expectation of success and hard work. So that's kind of how that culture has been instilled in the program. Mm-hmm. What, uh, okay, we're going to kind of change change gears here uh, real quick, and then we're going to bring on some of Coach Lovely's players currently playing for him at Desert Edge. But what the hell is wrong with the, the high school basketball situation in, in Arizona? I guess the same in California or anywhere wyoming florida it's the same thing what's going on with you the know school, uh, uh, it's, it's interesting you and, and and don't don't walk well, on it's HL interesting you bring it up really because, say how it is um I, I talked about the state of basketball in the last chapter of my book and i think the state of the game has changed like there's now it's like basketball is not played for fun and love basketball is played with the objective of getting a scholarship. Every kid gets a scholarship and every kid is told, yeah, you know, if you played for a better coach, you'd go to college and you'd play ball. That's not true. I mean, numerically you can't put every kid that plays high school on a college team. There's not enough spots. There's not enough things. It's, it's called, it, 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 it's a funnel effect, right? Like if there's 400,000 people in high school playing high school basketball, there isn't 400,000 spots nationally for a college, right? There's like 200,000, right? So it's like these, <laughs> these yeah. thought processes and the sell of, well, you got to transfer because that coach doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, you got to come here. You got to go here. You know, it's like it's we're eating our own now, right? It's like this, this, this shark mentality out there. And it's funny because – when I first started coaching, I was friends with a lot of the coaches I was coaching against. You know, I'd coach against you, and then afterwards we'd go meet somewhere and have a beer and talk about the game, right? And, and that's just how it was in California. Yeah. And then I moved to Seattle, and it was kind of sort of the same way, you know. And some of my best friends, you know, I, I remember Rick Comer up at Renton High School, man. I, we'd play against each other, and he'd beat me by 5, 10, 15, 20 points. It didn't matter what it was. We call and he go, man, how did you get layups every trip? Now, you guys didn't make them, but you got a layup. And it was funny because we joke about that and we laugh about that. And so when I came to Arizona, I thought it was going to be the same. And I thought people were my friends. And it's funny because in the process of building Desert Edge, um, you know, you run into people that you think were your friends and they're out there unmercifully trying to brutalize your team, right? Like running up the score when you got kids that are special ed on the court and they, you know, it's like, what are you doing, dude? Back off the press, you know? And it's kind of like, wow. And (laughs) it's this whole thought process now that has shifted, I think. And it's more of a, I got to have a hundred points on the board Otherwise, I'm going to lose my best player to this school or this coach is going to recruit my kid. And so it, it's it's now not what it used to be. And 
think that's going to, in the long run, kill basketball mm-hmm. as we know it at the high school level. And I think you see it now with all these prep schools popping up, especially with COVID. Um, you know, with the COVID thing happening, all of a sudden, all these programs have lost their best players to all these prep schools, right? And it's funny because one of my assistant coaches who now is a head yep. coach lost one of his best players to a prep school, and that kid is now on the JV team of the prep school. Well, it's like being on the second team of a prep school is not better than being on the first region, all, all region team at a high school. So it's like, why move? I don't get that. And that's happening all over the place now. And that's happening with basketball. And it's just it's just really bad. And, yep. and part of what I try to do is I try to create a family atmosphere. Like, I'm not just there for my kids basketball-wise. Um, I'm there for them in, in all aspects. So I create that atmosphere. And we've had all of our kids have been recruited by, post, by prep schools, all of them. All of them. It's so funny because they'll show me the, the text. And these mm-hmm. prep schools go out there and say, oh, we're not recruiting high school kids. Bull, I can show you the text messages showing you reaching out to high school kids. Yeah. And my kids have said, no, we're staying together. We're doing this together. And it's like that is like one of the biggest sense of pride pieces that I have of our program at Desert Edge. Mm-hmm. And again, your players uh, and parents are listening to you. You know, it's a shame with, and I'm going to get into this. This is a pet peeve of mine. He's, you know, when we were at West Wind, we, and you know this because you were there, we didn't have any high school players playing on a prep team. Uh, I disagreed with that. Uh, I think it hurts the players and these players that are being recruited with these prep schools now. Number one, and I know there's some there's some good prep school coaches out there that that know what they're doing, but the majority don't. And so these kids are going to a prep school because facility or whatever or schedule, but they're not getting the coaching that they need to really excel at the next level. They can't because they don't have somebody to teach them that. And, and that's that's the biggest shame or crime when these high school coaches leave or these high school players leave the high school program to do that. And on the other end, it's a high school coach's uh, fault as well, because a high school coaching job in my mind now is year round. And you know that uh, because it is year round for you, whether you're coaching year round or not. But even if your players are playing, you know, as a club on a club or something, you're what they're watching them. And, you know, you're babysitting them to make sure that they're cool. They're good. And uh, I think high school coaches get a job and, when I was in high school, when you were in high school, I didn't see my high school basketball coach uh, when the season was over with. You know, I've, I've had to play in rec leagues. Well, there are no club teams. Same thing with you. We didn't have club teams playing. And, and now it's so different. And I think that's another problem with the high school coaches that they don't understand this is a, this is a year-round job, whether you're coaching or not. And so you've, you've shown that uh, with what you've been talking about. And that's another big problem. Because right none of your players are leaving for a prep school. Okay. Why, why is that? Well, we both know why, because you have a damn program, you know, they're, they know, they believe. Yeah. It's, it's fun to watch these kids grow up. And, and I think that there's been trials and tribulations that we have gone through that some people would have handled differently and in handling it differently, it would have created different relationships. And I think that my kids know, I love them. 
and my kids know that I'm here for them no matter what. And, and so I think that's kind of what's created this mm -hmm. atmosphere of, um, you know, loyalty at desert edge. Mm -hmm. You just hit out that word right there. How many times is that word brought up from a high school player, or high school, the parent of a high school player talking yeah. about the, their high school program? Very rarely. Correct. I mean, it's just not. It, people don't talk about how loyal they are to their high school program. They want to be loyal to what's going to give them a Division One scholarship. Well, you change that with your cult, the culture of the program, the Desert Edge, and that's that's why uh, it was so important for me to have you on this show because you brought up so many things, uh, and you don't even know it, Coach Lovely. Uh, that that or if if people really want to take heart, all these podcasts this, that we've assembled have so so such important information for them starting out or even if they're a division one assistant coach to listen to because what you just talked about here is kind of the theme of the other two basketball coaches I've had on here already, Kevin Wilson and David Grace. They've all had the same thing, uh, you know, big heart. I mean, who's got a bigger heart than David Grace and empathy? Well, he does. Kevin Wilson, same thing. Flip Saunders, that's why he was such a great NBA coach. So – you you fit right there, and that's why that's why you have a, a, Thanks, a, a rock solid program at Desert Edge, and with oh absolutely, I'm not you know blowing smoke to at you. I'm telling it the way it is, and it's true. Now, with that being said, I want to I want to talk to a couple of Coach Lovely's players. So we're gonna take a short break, and when we come back, we're gonna uh, welcome two of his players and find out what. Tell us about Coach Lovey. How much does he yell at you? <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna have some we're gonna have some fun with this. Okay. So all right, uh, Coach. Thanks. Uh, hold on for a second, and we'll be right back. Yep. I'd like to welcome everybody back to the show. Uh, we're on uh, with Coach Scott Lovely, the head basketball coach at Desert Edge, and we're welcoming two of his players who've been with him. Uh, pretty much since the beginning. Uh, Coach, why don't you introduce the two players we have? Yeah, so um, we were fortunate enough to get a couple of my guys to join us. Uh, Adrian Banuelos, who's the senior point guard for me. He's been my four-year starter. And uh, Amari Hunter, who is um, a three-year starter for me. Uh, and he is a senior uh, swingman. He's kind of a point guard to shooting forward kind of player. And uh, so I thought it'd be great to have those guys join us. I know a couple other guys were going to join, but they had other commitments. So this is uh, these are two of the guys that have been leaders in our program uh, for the last four years. Guys, why don't you go ahead and say hi and introduce yourself. You Adrian, why don't you start? All right. How's everybody doing? Uh, I'm Adrian Banuelos, four-year point guard at Desert Edge for senior. I'm senior year. Excited to get this start. Get these just started. And, and you're five nine or five ten. Sorry. Yeah. That, five, sorry. I didn't mean to insult you. You're five ten, not five nine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, five five ten point guard, which uh, coach uh, explained uh, very valuable, uh, very important position in the system. Go ahead, Amari. Uh, talk, introduce yourself. Uh, hello, everybody. How are you guys doing? Uh, my name is Amari Hunter, and I have been with Coach Levy for four years, but I've been on a uh, starter for three years on varsity. And that fourth year, were you on the uh, JV team or freshman team? Uh, I was I was swinging back and forth, and then, like, a couple games uh, at the end of the season, on var I played varsity. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, 
Coach, why don't you talk about uh, the makeup of these two players and why they're so valuable in your program, especially uh, you've been with you for so long uh, in terms of building your culture at Desert Edge. Well, really, the the whole piece that we talked about, Gary, about how important it was to, um, you know, you go out into the community and identify where your future is, right? So when, we, when I first took the job, these guys, I think, were in seventh grade. And these were two of the players that my assistant coach, would, when he went to go out and he would watch play, these are two of the players that he would say, hey, great job, good good game, good game. And Adrian's brother played in our program, so he's kind of seen the whole thing over the last six years. And Adrian probably has taken a brunt of the um, the uh, coaching, uh, uh, stern coaching, because he's the point guard, right? And as a point guard, I expect you to be the coach on the floor. So level of expectations for him has been very high, and he started for me as a freshman. So he's really gone through the gamut. And then Amari is also like a point guard type player. So Amari's kind of been coached real rough too. And and his whole thing is he brings a defensive toughness and he's a program guy. Like he shines in big moments uh, within the system and, and understands how to use what we're doing to get what he wants and what he needs out of, out of the game. And, He's gonna. He's these guys are gonna make a college coach very happy, and so that's kind of really what my whole focus is: is to to teach them to think the game, and so that's why I thought it'd be real good to have these guys on. Perfect. And so uh, this question is for both players. We'll we'll start with Adrian. You go first, and then Amara, you follow up. When you first got to Desert Edge, how different was it for you from what you expected when you got there? to the reality of what it was really like? Um, so I think just the expectations, just coming in as a freshman, I don't know. I didn't really know what to expect, honestly, just because I knew it was a – it's a good program, and my brother, yeah, you know, he played there and everything. So I was definitely excited to come in. And then once I got there and just see how the atmosphere was and just see that it was more of like a the team effort and like the team, like, atmosphere of, like, wanting just to play into the system, like, I, I just – I feel like I got really comfortable because I like playing team basketball and like, and I like seeing everybody else shine on the court as well. You know, answer like a true point guard. <laughs> Amar, Amar, your turn. Um, let's see. To follow up what Adrian said, you know, I was really excited to actually come to Desert Edge. You know, like because my mom wanted to, you know, switch me to like some other schools, and you know, and I knew some of the guys that go there, and like I like I wanted to play with them still, and so like I literally like begged my mom to, you know, go to. Desert Edge because, you know, I wanted to play with them. And, you know, the assistant coach, uh, Coach Day, you know, he was he's um, a nice guy, you know. So, like, I just really wanted to play there, you know, because of the – and I love team ball too. Like, I really love team ball. I like, you know, like um, helping my guys out, you know. Yeah, I'm just the guy to, like, you know, like get people to succeed, you know. Absolutely. So, uh, next question uh, – and coach, feel free to jump in uh, whenever you want to. Okay. When you guys got there, uh, how how quick was it that you realized that Coach Lovely has your best interests at heart? Um, I think just within the first week of just tryouts and everything, you just know, like you kind of you get that energy that he wants to be there for us and more. Like it's more of just like a trust between the coach and the players because I 
like the reason I love playing here at Desert Edge is because of the like the trust we have all in each other and just in our program. So definitely within like the first, I mean, probably midway into the season, we just you definitely get that team atmosphere and that just that people that like you want to play with and that you felt like just being comfortable there, you know? Uh-huh. Okay, Amari. Um, I think I'm gonna say a week or a week or two because you know. You know, it's like Coach Lovey, you know, it's more than it's more than just basketball. You know, he's he's going to be there for you, like, you know, outside of basketball, you know, you know, he comes he he comes to talk to you, you know, and like it's like he's just always there for you. And like, you know, that's what I love about a coach, you know, is that he's just not a coach. He, you know, he's like a like a father figure to you, too, as well. Mm -hmm. And and uh, we uh, prior to you guys joining us, we taught we got into the parents of high school basketball players, kind of the norm across the country. Talk, talk about your, your parents and, and how they feel now after you being with Coach Lovely for so long about the, being in the program at Desert Edge. So for me, so um, like Coach Lovely said earlier, my brother actually used to play at Desert Edge for a few years. And I think, mm-hmm. I think he was there while Coach Lovely got the starting job. I started his first years there. So they've known Lovely for a few years, and they definitely wanted me to go there just because – of like the family history and everything. So mm-hmm. already just from before the even season started, they knew what we were getting into and we were excited. And that's why I think that also gave me a lot to look forward to just seeing the environment just at a very young, early age and just seeing uh-huh. the work I want to put in and the work that we all want to do. Like I, my family and I were just all on board with it, you know, just excited. Great. Amari. Uh, um, see my, you know, my parents, my parents love, my parents love coach lovely They, you know, they like they have a they have a good connection too and you know they're always they're always talking about me you know they're talking about you know other things you know besides basketball you know you know how coaches you know helping me out and stuff like this so they love coach lovely they they don't have a problem with them and like all my brothers are in um go to desert edge too as well and you know they all love coach lovely as well too so uh-huh. You know, Gary, it, nothing has cemented this even more than uh, April of 2019. I suffered a heart attack. And uh, the moment the kids found out that I had a heart attack, my phone in the hospital blew up. And it was nothing but love and concern from the kids and, and uh, you know, kids wanting to come up and see me. And, you know, I was like, no, everything's good. Don't worry about it. You know, I'll, I'll let you know when I'm home. And, and um, you know, li- like I said earlier, it's about family atmosphere, right? And I felt a part of their families from their families and the outpouring and support that came after that situation was amazing. Uh, that that's a uh, great, great response. And you can, you can, you know, one thing uh, that, that Adrian and Amari have not said is anything about the next level, because it, to me, that's telling me and coach, you correct me. Uh, and you can't, you both Adrian and Amari, please uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know that coach Lovely's got your best interests at heart and you're going to go where, is going to be best for you based on Coach Lovely's uh, opinion and, and where he knows where to send you. Uh, do you agree yeah, with that? Yeah, correct, correct. Oh, yeah, of course. He definitely knows our game the best, especially especially seeing us over these past four years improve like and just see us grow into the players we're becoming. He definitely mm-hmm. knows where our strengths and our weaknesses and just the best interest for us. 
See, and, that, and coach, that, that's all on you, my man. You know, again, start your pro. You did it right, uh, which isn't done too often, as you know. If I would have had two other players from, from two other programs on here, I guarantee you one of the first things uh, they would have said was, you know, he's going to get me to the next level, which that wasn't even brought up. And uh, you guys understand what I'm saying about yeah, that? Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Okay, coach, you got No, you know, the interesting thing about it is is that I, I'm I'm like so excited for the season to happen this year because what doesn't happen in a lot of programs is you don't see the progress of players um uh growing because if they don't grow then they're replaced, you know, and 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 these are my ride or die guys, right? Like I've got five seniors, six seniors or seven seniors on our, on our roster right now. And these are all guys that came in and played for us and have grown through our program and, and, and seeing what these guys can do on the court in the last few weeks has gotten me so jacked because their mentality and their ability to understand what's happening on the court, react to it, and do the things on the court that you want them to do. It's it's just awesome because it shows the growth. Um, in our fall competition, we beat South Mountain, and South Mountain has you know a couple D one guards on the roster, and and they're good basketball team. And these guys, you see them take over the game and talk to each other, and it's at a point now to where it's like I have given them freedom to do things that other kids on the team don't have because they don't have that same level of IQ yet, right? And and so it's exciting, and I'm looking forward to seeing these guys produce this year just so I can help them get to the next level. I know. Talk about talk about uh, with the virus going around. Uh, when you guys, obviously, uh, were heading into 2021, and you guys haven't even started playing, right. correct? Yeah. So, so talk about coach, uh, and you guys can chime in too. When when the season's going to start, and uh, how many uh, games do you think you're going to end up playing uh, this season? Uh, the season tips off uh, January fourth is our first official basketball practice. Um, our first game, I believe, is the sixth. Is that right, guys? Uh, I saw. I think it's the nineteenth, actually. Oh, they they moved it back. That's right. They moved. It yeah. Back. Um. So. So we start January 19th because um, they pushed back the schedules. So they took the first two weeks and put it at the end. So we tip off January 19th, and uh, hopefully the cases come down a little bit so we don't have to stress about whether or not they're going to mess with it anymore. Uh-huh. So uh, what, what – uh, we'll start with Adrian. Adrian, where do you see uh, – you've been there for four years as a starter. Teams in your league, where do you see yourself, uh, the program, uh, ended up winning the league, uh, competing for the league? Uh, I know it's a very tough question to, to answer, especially with your coach on the line. Uh, why don't you go uh, take that? I mean, I believe I believe in our team. I believe we can just take it to the state championship, honestly. I believe I have full faith in all of my guys, all of our coaching staff, all of just the whole program. I really believe we can just do something special like we've been planning on these past couple of years. and. These past years, we've fallen short, but I have the faith still, and I, I believe that we can all really just push through and just get to that, that state championship mm-hmm. ring if everything goes to plan, you know? Yep, absolutely. And Amari? Um, I, feel, I feel we have a chance of going to state. 
like a high chance of going to state this year because you know like we all of our guys you know we listen to coach you know we we practice hard we do things he he tells us and like we we all play as a team and I just think you know that none nobody else could do that as as much as we can you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the, another tough question uh Adrian uh, in four years of starting for coach lovely what's the thing you learned uh, the most from coach uh, that helped you not only not only in basketball but uh, in life uh, academically you know with how how you, your relationships treating people uh, why, don't you, why don't you give us the the most important thing that you uh, got from coach Love? yeah so I think uh, I think honestly one of the biggest things that I can take away from the program and just that is a life lesson is Honestly, he just taught me to really have – he taught me to just have faith in myself. He's always telling me just to shoot the ball and just – he wants me to be, like, the leader of the, the court, you know, just control the tempo and everything. And I feel like that's uh-huh. just helped me a lot off the court, just as far as, like, my schoolwork goes. is That's just how I want to view everything. I want to be the leader. I want to be, like, the one who knows how to do it right and just set that example for others if I can, you know, and just uh-huh. just turning into a leader, I think that was the biggest thing. He just really – Push me to become more of what he knew I would become, you know. Uh huh. Absolutely, Amari. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, um, not to give up, you know, because he's pushed me so hard sometimes, and like, you know, I've been like wanting, you know, sometimes giving up, you know, I've been having some like a couple of years back, I had some, you know, family issues, and you know, he just told me like, you know, just not to give up, you know, just keep going, just keep going, and not giving up. And he's really, he's really like, you know, put that on me, like, you know, since I've been with him. And so that's, that's the thing that I really think, you know. Uh-huh. What, uh, how, you know, coach and I talked about uh, your hell week, but he said it's more than oh, a week. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about that. Yeah. I want to oh, hear yeah. about that. <laughs> Go ahead, Adrian. That's just, that's just, oh man, that's exactly what it sounds like. Hell week. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a lot of running, it's a lot of pain, but I mean, it gets us, it puts you in the right de- condition. Definitely, it definitely gets your body right. It gets, it makes you more motivated as you go through the workouts. But yeah, it's it's hell, it's hard, it's nothing like you've done before. I promise you that. <laughs> yeah, coach, you got anything? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, no, I don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's pre- and you know what. Too bad you're online because I, I wish you could ask him that question with you not <laughs> listening. See if it would have been, <laughs> been a different answer. That's that's funny. So, uh, Adrian, uh, senior this year, what what do you want when the season's over? With? Uh, this is kind of a two part question. After this year, and we just talked about how Coach Lovely, you know, he has your best interest in art, is going to put you in a program. Or head you, you know, direct you to a program that's going to be best for you. Where do you see yourself? Uh, and I know it's a very tough question. What level you can play at? And coach, if you want to chime in, but but where do you see yourself after this year? Um, honestly, I'll be I'd be blessed to get any type of offer, or any type of I'd love to play at any type of level. But I just anywhere that I would fit is honestly a a, a great you know like just have how I want to play and if. Lovely can get me to the right spot, then I'll I'll gladly take it. I'll more than I'll be blessed to take that, you know, that opportunity. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm on that one, Adrian. You know, uh it doesn't, you know, I don't really care where I play, you know, it's just 
as long as I, you know, fit in, you know, you know, I'm, I'm just going to play, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Coach? Yeah. You know, the, the thing about these two um, is that uh, Adrian wasn't even sure he wanted to play college basketball for a while. And uh, the last two years, I think he's really got the bug. Am I right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and he's a point guard that um, can score, but uh, he has eyes in the back of his head. This is that's funny because the, the progression with Adrian was as a freshman, I was like, get rid of the ball, give it up, get it up, get it up, you know, and he's dribbling the ball up the court. And I'm like, God, this kid, he needs to understand to advance the basketball. And then I started realizing that he was actually seeing what I was seeing, but he was pulling defenders to give guys better shots than they had, right? So it was funny because as I started to realize, oh, oh, okay, he saw it. Oh, okay, I see so then I started to sit back and leave him alone. You know, it was like it was developing that faith and trust in him and understanding that he was smarter than his age. And that's the thing about Adrian as a point guard. He's a wiser point guard than his experience should should have. You know what I mean? So it, it's mm-hmm. going to be one of those yeah. things where um, I, I'm, I'm definitely in conversations with a lot of coaches about all my seniors. And uh, Adrian's definitely at the top of the list of somebody that needs to be getting recruited. And Amari is uh, he he's just one of those guys that you, you look at him, he's six one, and all of a sudden he's leading you in rebounding at, from a guard spot. Um, and he's scoring when he shouldn't be scoring, he's scoring against bigger guys. You know, it's like, how did that happen? You know? And he was also defensive player of the year runner up this year as a junior. And honestly, I think he should have won it. And because we put him on every team's best best player and he shut him down, you know. And so it's one of those things where Amari's got colleges that are very interested in him. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, this whole COVID thing has changed recruiting this year, right? So it's, it's like if it wasn't for COVID, I think both these guys would know, you know, where they're headed. <laughs> but this, this whole virus uh-huh. thing has changed everything. So it's just going to be a matter of time now. Well, yep. And one, one positive thing for uh, you guys is, you know, this COVID thing, don't look, at the, don't look at it as being a negative. This could absolutely turn out to be a far better situation for you two than it would have been if it didn't hit because – you guys have gotten better. You got a whole another season with Coach Lovely, and obviously, important question here is, and this will be the last question. No, uh, well, maybe second to last question. Once you guys are done playing at Desert Edge, you're not going to be able to play for Coach Lovely uh, when you go out there anymore. So, what do you guys have planned, or Coach Lovely? Do you guys have something in the works of where you know whether playing for a club team or or you know what I mean to continue to play? to be seen um after this year I, I was thinking about maybe the possibility of like a prep school or just to maybe taking down that road or yeah a club a club team maybe just trying to play over the summer just get some more looks you know if i can mm-hmm. but definitely just trying to yeah. stay active and stay just trying to just get my name out there to get my word out uh-huh yeah um, i was you know, looking, I was same thing with Adrian, you know, uh, either a prep school, or, you know, a club team, you know, just to get my name out there more as well. Mm-hmm. 
uh, uh well, one of the things that their their uh their focus is um also showcases uh it's going to be interesting to see how post covid how all the stuff shifts as far as the recruiting pieces go so uh getting them in key showcases uh you know to to have college coaches see them um and there's definitely going to be post grad opportunities uh, that will be available for both players um, if if colleges don't pick them up and and we both know that post grad opportunities uh, if it's done right a post grad situation will definitely help a player as we've done in the past Gary yeah absolutely and 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 guys uh, you know I'm I'm pretty sure the coach love is gonna tell you what showcases to play in and, and what not, not what not to play in. But the, when we were both uh, at West Wind, uh, both had prep school or teams, all the players that we had were not offered anything out of high school. And, and uh, what came out of that was, I want to say, what, 35, yeah, 40 players? 40. Total, yeah. Four, 40. Four of them. Two of them were NBA first-round draft choices. Two played in the NBA. Sixteen, or uh, and many of them are still playing overseas, making six figures. So a prep school uh, is a great opportunity uh, for that. And, and coaching, I'm sure, has already talked to you about that. And he's got firsthand knowledge and seen what that can uh, uh, do for you. So, coach, you got to be so proud of these guys because these are a representation of your program. Not not just those two individual players, uh, and and uh, Adrian and Amari, uh, you realize that you're gonna uh, Coach Lovey's gonna be talking to you for the next twenty yeah. years, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's a long time. Absolutely, it's a long time relationship. Forever yeah, a, a lifelong yep. relationship. Now you're gonna have with somebody that cares about right. you. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I'm gonna finish it with Adrian. If you have anything else uh, you wanna. Uh, add uh, that we might not have talked uh, about no i think i'm okay i think i'm good yeah okay Mario. No, i'm good okay good uh one last thing uh we have a podcast uh tim owens is uh was a 6-4 player i had i recruited to the university of san francisco if you guys if coach can show you how to listen to that uh great information uh that will help both of you not only not only this year but as you continue to move, he ended up – he went to Midland Junior College in Texas, wasn't recruited out of high school, and ended up setting – he broke 13 school records at the University of San Francisco. Uh, just unbelievable and and kind of sounds similar to the same situation. Um, and, and I know Coach will get that to you. Hey, guys, I really appreciate you uh, joining us. Uh, you absolutely gave everybody that's going to listen to this uh, exactly what the program is like and how it should be done uh, right uh, from all the coaches that are going to be listening to this podcast. Thanks for joining us, man, and uh, we will talk to you uh, Thank you soon. for having me. Yeah, appreciate you, guys. Thank you. Right. All right. Yeah, thank you. Yes, sir. Coach, you're not pr- – well, I know you are. Unbelievable. Yeah, with those they're, guys they're, good they're good kids. They're good kids. Yeah, and – very, very hard to answer that question, but wow, is one thing I, I can say. What a, what a tribute to you and and the program that you built. What, nah, five this years will be year correct? six. Yeah, year six. There you go. You know, I, I feel for you because of this virus thing. 
I'm sure you've been dying man, to get on the court. Gary, I'm I'm not kidding you. These kids, man, when our first uh, three practices, when we were getting going, uh, we run a five-on-zero fast break transition uh, drill, and uh, man, it looked like a JUCO team. I mean, it, it looked like a JUCO team. Wow. Three dunks, two threes, no no misses. I mean, it was just. It was just crazy. I was just looking at my assistant coach going, are you serious? This is what we're rolling out this year. He goes, coach, this is what we've been working towards. State championship level team. (laughs) Absolutely. And uh, before we go, the first chair. Talk about the first chair and where they they – Yeah, the first uh, chair is um, uh, a book about my coaching experience. It's basically an autobiography uh, about basketball coaching. And um, about my love for the game and 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 my path to becoming a head coach. It's funny that the first chair is the title because it was always about moving up the bench to get to that first chair of the bench to be the dot the guy calling the shots and and being in charge, right? So um, so you can get it. It's uh, it's available on uh, Amazon. Uh, you get a Kindle uh, ebook and. Uh, uh, it used to be uh, for sale on Barnes and Noble. I don't know if it's on sale there anymore, um, but you can get it uh, definitely on Amazon. Okay, and and coach, I'm sure I'm going to get emails and text messages from coaches when they start listening to this. They might want to get in contact with you. Is it uh, is it okay if I pass your email address? Yeah, absolutely. So they can absolutely. Contact you? Okay, perfect. Hey, Coach, uh, thank you so much for being on uh, the Be Legendary podcast. You absolutely fit right in uh, with what we're trying to do. And people that are going to listen to this are going to see for themselves and agree with me. Thanks, thank man. You so I much really appreciate us, being on. All right. Have All right, a good buddy. one. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week uh, for the Be Legendary podcast. If you really enjoyed and got some information out of our show, please subscribe. It helps us tremendously. And make sure you visit our website, 24-seconds.com. See you next time.